advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas, or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets, and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do but it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? Vets me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow. I did everything the vet told me to do and I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse. So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amrys Wang, and this is The Raw Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneurs, Season 1, Episode 18. This is Part 2 of Dr. Judy Morgan's interview. Dr. Judy Morgan has been practicing veterinary medicine for 36 years now, running two vet clinics, is an accomplished public speaker, author of four books, educator and entrepreneur businesswoman with her own online web store selling her own line of natural pet health products who has won numerous awards including 2018 woman of the year in the pet industry 2019 pet h woman of influence iaotp veterinarian of the year and veterinary hero award nominee holy moly the list is long so just click on the link below to find out more about her did I mention she's a teacher I wished I had? This is Dr. Judy's origin story and her journey as an entrepreneurial, integrative vet of both Western and Eastern medicine. Um, how, how many emails do you say, would you say you get on average a day? Oh, Lordy. Uh, a couple hundred, easily. Because uh, I know when I skip a day, I, thank, thank the Lord for I, when I finally upgraded to an iPhone where I could get my email on my phone, because uh, when we're on the road, it, if I don't set up my computer and you know, figure out how to connect to a hotel or whatever, um, sometimes I would come home and I would have 1,500 emails in my inbox. And that literally, it's like, it's performance punishment. She's like, well, great. I just had this lovely vacation. And now I literally have to waste the entire first day home trying to peel through all this stuff. So it's much easier now with my phone. I can't, if it's something that's going to require a long answer, I'm not that good at texting and typing on my phone that I'll do that. But if it's something I can do a quick answer um, and I can at least categorize things and put them in folders. And so, um, but yeah, it's at least a couple hundred. And it's not just the emails, because I actually have three different email addresses. Uh, it's not just the emails, it's also Facebook Messenger. And then the messaging through my professional page. So I've got things coming from a lot of different directions. But again, 
with the advent of the iPhone and being able to kind of, if Hugh does the driving most of the time, so I literally will sit there and peel through things while he's driving uh, and try to answer things or delete things as quickly as I can. Um, but, and it's, most people have gotten to the point where they understand that if they send me a quick couple of sentences, they're going to get an answer. If you send me your thought, your 15 year old dog's history since it was six weeks old, I won't even read it. It's just, I, I mean, I, what am I supposed to do with that? And I can't diagnose or treat anything by email or messenger. And uh, people need to understand that there's uh, a limit on what legally can be done. Like I can always recommend food uh, because that's not a prescription. So food is easy. Um, but if you're asking about treatments and that sort of thing, um, it, it, there become some legal issues where we can't overstep our bounds. So eh, things that we have to play with. <laughs> so um, with your clinic, um, speaking of like prescription and all that, when did you, was it painful financially to stop selling prescription diet in your store? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'll blow back from that from 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 uh, the company. It, it was never it was never painful for me because by the time I bought my own clinic, I had already gotten away from prescription diets. So, but we actually we sell food in our clinics. We sell frozen raw. Uh, we have a freezer in each clinic. We do have some canned food. Uh, I'm just not a fan of kibble, so we don't sell that, but uh, we do carry some cam, we carry some freeze-dried, and we carry a lot of frozen. And that's, uh, so we're still making money on food, just we're not making it on prescription food, we're making it on real food, uh, human-grade foods, um, high-quality things. And that's been really interesting with the whole coronavirus thing as well, because no one is allowed in our building. Uh, we do curbside pickup with the pets. So you call us from the parking lot and our technicians go out in their protective gear and grab the leash or the cat carrier. And we're trying to really stay away from the owners. So when we go out there, we actually ask them to take the, the carrier. If, if a pet is in a carrier, put it outside the car door, shut the car door, then the technicians will go over and get the animal. Uh, but because we don't have people coming in, our retail part of the clinic with the food and the toys and the treats and that sort of thing, no one's shopping because they can't come in to shop. Now, we do have a lot of clients who have been buying their food and their treats from us for so long that when they arrive, they also give us a, their shopping list and we just gather everything up for them. But, you know, so many things changed with the advent of the virus and uh, we're in New Jersey, where the second hardest hit state in the U.S., right under New York. And uh, when it is time to reopen, I have no idea how that is going to look. Our building is very small. I, it's very difficult to do social distancing between clients and staff in the size building that we have. Uh, as it is now, my staff is small. We have ooh, probably 12 and uh, we're split into two teams and the two teams never see each other so that if one team should get sick and go down the other team would take over and would have to work every day um, so 
again, we don't know what that's going to look like at the end of this. Um, and frankly, I'm scared enough that if and when I ever start letting clients back into the building, it's going to be on a really limited basis. You can't bring your whole family. It's, it's kind of like going to the grocery store right now. They're saying, you know, one person, send one person, wear a mask, wear gloves. I've been, I've been wearing masks and gloves since probably the first week in March because I'm, I'm just I'm a bit of a germaphobe and this particular germ has me pretty darn scared. Um, and I, I think I'm going to make it mandatory in my clinic. Anybody walking in, if you don't have a mask and gloves, I'm going to have them at the front door and you need to, you know, hand over the leash, stand back and not be uh, up in our faces. So I, I, again, I'm, I'm just not quite sure how that's going to look and how we're going to manage it. But I think it's a brave new world for kind of every business and every person trying to figure out how to navigate this. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you, you did a self-quarantine a few weeks ago um, at home. I did. I did. So what I happened, and I, I, well, I didn't make it real public because I didn't want to scare people from coming to our clinic. But, uh, uh, oh, man, it was way back in like third week of March. Uh, we had two employees, one receptionist and one technician, both called out on the same day, on a Monday, and with symptoms of the virus. And so we said, oh, this is not good. And clearly they could not have gotten it from each other because they both called out on the same day. So they, uh, and the one, we know that his exposure was a family dinner because everybody in the family got sick. Granddad was in the hospital. You know, it was a kind of a nightmare. Um, and the other one has, lives in a family where somebody works in a hospital, you know, so anyway. Um, but once those two got sick, um, I, the, the day they called out, I called home to Hugh and I said, okay, I had, I have people who have gotten sick that I've been working with and I don't know when they started shedding the virus. I don't know how long because they called out on a Monday. So clearly they were feeling okay on Thursday and Friday when we worked together, but I didn't want to risk Hugh and my mom. So I called home and I said, honey, remember that plan that we said what would happen if one of us got exposed? I said, that plan is going into effect today. Please make the guest bedroom to get them. Uh, I will use the front door. I won't walk through the house. Um, and that's what we did. And so I, my plan was to be in that isolation for two weeks. And Hugh was great. He set up a table outside my bedroom door, left my meals there for me, and then he would vacate the area before I would open the door and get my meals. Uh, but during that two-week period, we had a third person get sick. And it was my other doctor, and she was clearly exposed to the two that had gone out 10 days before. So we had to start all over again with the quarantine. I'm like, oh, great, here, we just added two more weeks on. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, and then I thought, well, we're just, we're doomed. Uh, the entire staff is going to one by one fall like flies. And the really interesting thing is she was the only one who got sick. Nobody else got sick. And I attribute it to the fact that I was a crazed maniac and made staff start wearing masks and gloves long before anybody said that that would be helpful. And I was like, it's a respiratory virus. Of course a mask is going to help. Come on. We're, have none of these doctors, and, and I know why they said that masks wouldn't help because they didn't want people taking masks away from the frontline workers who 
really needed them and we had a huge shortage. So I know why they did it, but it was bull. And I knew it was bull and we had surgical masks in the office. So we doled them out and said, this is how many you each get. And, you know, please keep reusing them. I know that's not the best way to do it, but this is what we have. And um, so, yeah, the, the quarantine for me actually wasn't bad uh, because I had zero responsibility. I was going to work because my other doctor was out. So I was going to work Monday through Friday, but uh, I would come home at the end of the day and literally just eat my meals and collapse in bed. And I got to watch a bunch of documentaries that I never would sit and just watch documentaries. I was working on a baby quilt for my soon to be granddaughter. And um, I kind of enjoyed having zero respect. Like I didn't have to take care of the dogs. I didn't have to clean up dishes. I, it was okay. I think we all, you, you, we all need to be a little introspective and spend a little time with ourselves once in a while, which I never do. Um, it actually was okay. It was. And, and then I got mad at my staff who were, they were all freaking out and said, oh my gosh, we got exposed. What if we get sick? And I said, well, it, and so they all wanted to take time off. They're all like, well, I'm taking vacation next week. I'm like, so you're taking vacation because you might be incubating a virus. Well, if you're taking a vacation because you, I mean, you've already been exposed. So shutting the door after the horse already left is kind of dumb anyway, but, um, but I said, okay, well, you've already been exposed. If you're really that worried about your family, you should be in isolation. I'm in isolation because I'm worried about my family. So I don't know what you're doing during your week off. That's fine. I you know, paid everybody their vacation week. Uh, but I said, I don't know what you're doing during your week off, but if you're really that worried, you should be in, in quarantine. You should self-isolate. None of them did, <laughs> except the one who lives alone. So, um, but I don't know. It, the, the virus, it, it's making everybody crazy and common sense um, sometimes is hard to to find. Uh, and I will admit I've had my moments of panic. I've had my moments of anger. Um, I've had moments of grief. Um, I, I think dealing with this virus is almost like the five stages of grief that you go through when you lose a loved one or a, a pet. Uh, you know, we had to be in denial and then we had to get through that and be in acceptance and, you know, you had to go through the anger. This shouldn't be happening. Okay, well, it did and it is. So now we better accept it and now we better move on. So uh, I think we all have to go through, through all of that with it as well. <laughs> Oh no, I think I think you're just amazing because you proactive, you're intuitive, you know. Um <laughs> definitely I think well, staff is I know enough about immunology. <laughs> I've had enough immunology and virology training that, you know, it's like, well, we better be proactive about this. It's so funny because we have spray bottles with sanitizer in our office. And I made my office manager crazy. I said, you need to find me as many spray bottles and you need to find me as many liquid sanitizers or foam sanitizers as you can. And they've been hard to get, but she did a great job. And I literally, when I have to be in the office, I walk around, it's like, it's like I'm drawing my gun, you know, I whip it out of my pocket and I'm spraying the phones and the computers and the keyboards and the walls and the doors, the light switches, the alarm code pad. And, you know, I said, we may break every electronic in this office, but they're going to be sanitized. Dang it. <laughs> so, that reminds so they me know what I'm there. <laughs> yeah, that, that reminds me of one story you shared when you were on the road trip with Bo. And you had your arm. Oh. <laughs> the ant invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we had to, 
literally buy gallons of the method lavender spray cleaner because it works like nobody's business against ants. Uh, Bo was never so clean as she was after that weekend, but we managed to kill all the suckers. Uh, poor Bo. Yeah, I, I, I have never seen so many ants in one place in my life. Um, but I, I'm really good with a spray bottle. So, you know, you need things cleaned. I'm your girl. <laughs> um, so besides running your two vet clinics um, and then you have your online store, um, would, would, did your staff help you with the online store or was it basically you and Hugh? Uh, you know, would you say that's a family run thing, a uh, two, yeah. two team kind of thing? Yeah. So the online store has been Hugh and I, um, and then if we were on vacation, my office manager would do the shipping if we were away for a day or a week or whatever. Uh, so she was very helpful. Um, but Hugh and I, it got to the point where it was getting big enough that Hugh and I were maxed out. And we said, if we want this to grow more, we need more help. And it couldn't just be my office manager because she's two offices and, you know, running a bunch of people and working on payroll and health insurance and all that stuff. So um, we said that we really needed to get some help. And we toyed with the idea of selling the business. Uh, I kind of thought my son would want to take it over. And when push came to shove, he, he said no, he didn't, his heart wasn't in it. And my daughter was looking to get away from the startup company that she was working for. And she said, mom, if you're looking for somebody, I would like to take that role. And I said, Ooh, that, that's great. Cause I knew she would, she's an engineer. I knew she would engineer it to death and do a good job. But I said, um, I don't know how much I can afford to pay you, but I was paying a PR agency, uh, a couple thousand dollars a month. And I said, well, I can drop the PR agency. You'll have to figure out how to do the advertising and stuff. Uh, I can at least give you that. And then we can figure out some sort of a commission based on how things are going. And she said, okay, that's a gigantic cut in pay, but sure, let's figure it out. And cause she was pregnant, you know, it was when she first got pregnant and she was like, I'd love to work from home more or less. We have a, a office space warehouse, but um, you know, she, now she's basically her own boss. So when she does have the baby, and she goes to the warehouse flex space, she can take the baby. They take their dogs, they take their cat, you know. Um, so she and her husband have taken on the online store. So they do uh, all the shipping, all the ordering. They keep the warehouse stocked. Um, I'm responsible for helping choose products, helping design products, uh, writing blogs, doing interviews like this, uh, you know, things to keep doing the Facebook lives to keep our name out there, keep the awareness out there to keep educating people. Uh, so it's definitely, it's a family affair. It's a group effort. The goal in the next, uh, I would say year to year and a half is all of us. We've bought 23 acres and we're going to have two houses and the warehouse all, uh, and all of our animals, the horses all in one place. So it truly wow. will be a family compound with a family business. So, yep, that's the deal. <laughs> this will be in New Jersey, where, where you no, are? It's, it's going to be in North Carolina. It's where they are. Uh, and it made us happy because it's warmer there. <laughs> we don't like cold weather. <laughs> I don't ever want to shovel snow again. <laughs> How far is it um, from your place to your daughter's house? 
Uh, it's about a seven hour drive. Wow. Uh, so 400 miles. I don't know. It's about a seven hour drive. So, uh, although one time going down in Bow, we got stuck in traffic and it took 13 hours and that was just not a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, the great thing is when you're in a moving house, you have your bathroom and your kitchen with you. So at least we were stuck in traffic with all the amenities. <laughs> That's nice. And how, how, how is your mom? I actually, I actually love her. I think she's a really sweet lady. <laughs> So my mom, we call her the Energizer Bunny uh, because she has more energy. She's 83 and she has more energy than Hugh and I put together, I think. Um, she's, she's a little bit, I got to be careful. I don't know if she'll watch this, but she's a little bit ditzy, um, which just it makes her so charming. Um, so we play Scrabble and she makes up words. <laughs> it's just... Um, we enjoy her immensely. She's, uh, she's a very positive person and it really doesn't matter how bad things get, how, how many things go wrong. She will find the silver lining. And so I hold that up for myself as a role model that I aspire to, uh, because I, I can get very negative. I, do that off camera. Uh, but I can get very negative. And uh, when I'm, you know, grouching about my cup being half empty, my mother will walk by and say something positive. And it's like, oh, crap. You know? <laughs> so, uh, and she, she really is the chicken whisperer. The chickens are imprinted on her. They follow her around. I posted a picture of us. We were playing Scrabble outside over the weekend. And she you know, she's got a glass of wine in one hand and a chicken in the other hand, and she's playing Scrabble. Who else does that? <laughs> <laughs> what What would you say is, you know, you say passion is something that you need to to really, you know, enjoy what you're doing and do, especially the long hours if you want to achieve something. But um, what would you say is your center? You know, what what keeps you going? You know, what in who inspires you, shall I say? What, what's, you know, what's your fallback? Ooh. Ooh. So, like I said, I am inspired by my mom. But uh, actually, Jack Canfield is one of my huge inspirations. He's the guy who wrote the Chicken Soup for the Soul books and then, you know, wrote bunches and bunches of them. And uh, he wrote the Success Principles. Uh, he's been a big help uh, for me as an author with my writing. Uh, he's a very positive person. He got 100, I think it was 161 rejections for Chicken Soup for the Soul. All the publishers said, it'll never fly. It'll never work. What a dumb idea. And he sold, I don't know, 50 million copies now worldwide. You know, the guy's worth a boatload of money. He started out as a humble high school teacher. And, uh, you know, that's perseverance to the max. So when things are going wrong and everything's falling apart, I kind of look at that. And I actually, I have a picture sitting on my desk of me and Hugh and Jack Canfield at his house holding up uh, our first two books. Um, and I leave it on my desk because it uh, inspires me when I'm in the, uh, you know, everything's wrong mode. Um, so, and the coronavirus is just one more glitch. It's a hiccup 
in the the forward motion. But um, I did a course uh, many years ago. It was called the Forum. But one of the things that we learned is that from every breakdown comes a breakthrough. So we wouldn't have done a virtual pet expo if we hadn't had the real expo canceled. Um, so we're still trying to figure out uh, how to do some of the paid seminars that took a chunk of income away, but um, not everything I do is about money. We do have the Facebook supporters group, which is a paid subscription. Uh, some people grouse. Yeah. And some people grouse about it. Like I don't have, it's $10 a month. You know, I don't have an extra, I don't want to pay for content. And my answer to that is that is absolutely fine. We give free content five days a week. Uh, you can go, you, you can look at my books, you can look at my blogs. I've got plenty of, I have thousands of videos out there. Uh, so there is plenty of content. Um, but the supporters group, it is fairly small. Um, you know, I think people look at it and they say, wow, she has 65,000 followers. She's, oh my gosh, and she's got all these paid supporters. She must be making a boatload of money. No, our supporters group is really tiny, um, <laughs> like really tiny. But I love our supporters group because that's that private group that I feel like the people that are in there, they're like my buddies. Like I know who you guys are. So many of you I've met in person. And so I can be really honest. I can be brutally honest when we're in the supporters group. And I feel like it's a safe place because it's, it's not going to go viral. Nobody can share it. Nobody can, um, you know, I've had, because people know that we talked about pancreatitis last time, and that is a huge problem. So many people deal with animals with pancreatitis. Um, and I've had so many people say, where do I get that video? Where do I get that video? I can't afford that. And I'm like, listen, we're, we're taking it to another level. It's like, um, you know, there are other holistic veterinarians and holistic pet rearing groups that they also have paid groups to get to that elite level or that, you know, that superstar status where you want to dive in deeper on things. Um, so I'm fine with it. And when Facebook came up with the supporters, they only offered it to a handful of people and they offered it to, uh, Facebook platforms that were very interactive with their audience. And so over the time, Hugh and I have been pretty interactive with the audience. I try to go in and answer comments and talk to people um, and answer the messages that come in. Um, and I think that's why we were afforded the opportunity to do it. So we were kind of their beta testing group and it's, it's worked out really well. They've had some other uh, beta testing things roll out that I, like they have this one um, where people pay, it's like 50 cents for giving you smiles or hearts or something. And I just looked at that and I said, I don't want to do that. Like I, I, I don't want to nickel and dime people and I don't want to charge them for liking something I said. I just want people to be able to freely express themselves and, you know, let me know what what they feel about what's going on with us. Uh, so I've turned down things that, that have been offered. Again, it just didn't align with what I think is what we should be doing. But the supporters to me, um, that really aligned with my desire to teach. So so that one, I was like, yeah, I'll get on board with that. And uh, I, I, I actually really enjoy it. Oh, I, I love it. I think 
um, because I only joined Facebook the last two or three years. And when, when, it, when you did the beta thing with the supporters hub, um, I, I wasn't sure at first because, first of all, I'm, I'm from Singapore. So I have to do the currency exchange thing. And, you know, yeah. uh, you know so it's, it's, it's more than just 10 US dollars to me over the, and because that's right. what I do as well, you know. Um, but there are only two subscriptions that I do on, on Facebook. And one is the Inside Scoop with Rodney Habib and Dr. Karen Becker's group and yours. <laughs> because, and yours, I love so much. I really do because it's, it's like going back to school when you have, you know, when you have your, your supporters, um, your, 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 your special programs within the group. I don't know what I'm allowed to say it here, but you know, when you, your Q&A or, you know, the talks that you right. did, you know, and you always give us a heads up on the topics and I just love it. So I will try if I can to join you live. If not, I always try and catch the replays, but I'll always watch you, you know, because <laughs> it's so much information and so much more value. I mean, like, again, it's be like pet, you know, pet owner 2.0 that, you know, <laughs> yeah. that you're paying for and learning all that stuff that you know yeah you get the free stuff and you give out a ton of free stuff you know that's how i found you that's how i fell in love with you and i always share your information <laughs> with, with everyone you know but your subscription you. your supporters group i love because it's it's like having a master class with you you know <laughs> and if i can go on live and i can type in questions that would be even even better but you know sometimes i can't because of the time zone thing but yeah. You know, it doesn't matter because I know the, 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 the people in the group, they will usually ask whatever questions that, you know, it's exactly. all, you know that we're, we're all thinking about. And I, I mean, like, I think here and I just want to say thank you so much for doing that because <laughs> I really, really appreciate I mean, like, I find you're like, you're like a teacher that I've never had. <laughs> you know, really, honestly, I mean, like the books that you tell us to buy, you recommend, um, you know, the whole food book, you know, the big blue one. I actually bought that. It's in my uh, bookcase here, you know. So whenever you <laughs> mention certain books, you know, I'll like Google and, and look for it and, and, and try and figure it out, you know. Um, so you, you know, I love the fact that you are a teacher. I love the fact that you love teaching, you know. And, you know, I want to thank you for that. And also thank your mom because, you know, you obviously got the gene from her. <laughs> You know, um, yep. no. yeah, she taught, uh, she taught mostly first grade, uh, but she taught fourth grade for a little while, but she switched back to first grade because she said the kids in fourth grade were getting tall enough that they were as tall as she was. So she felt much better being in first grade where the kids were smaller than her, <laughs> but she's also uh, a reading expert. So, uh, to have her in first grade to teach the kids to read, most kids got out of her first grade class reading on a fifth grade level. Uh, she's just really an amazing, so we're really excited for the, the new grandchild. We're like, so mom, you're going to have this one reading by the time she's three, right? And you're, you know, you're going to get this one off on the fast track. So she's got, got her work cut out for. <laughs> oh, I know that you love reading. So how, how, you know, how many books do you try to like read through a week? Month. You know, it's, it's interesting because I go in spurts. Um, I mean, sometimes I am just on a tear and I'll read a book a day. 
Um, other times I kind of get sidetracked with other things. And uh, so I probably, looking around me, I, I probably have six that I'm in the middle of right now. Um, and I, I don't always try to have a whole bunch that I'm in the middle of, but they're all different things. Like I'm, re I'm still reading this one on how to cure cancer. I'm reading uh, kind of a a murder mystery that's a true story. Uh, I've got a couple of Jack Canfield books that I'm working. I just like there's always just and they're different things. I've got some uh, religious study books. So it's kind of all right, this time of day, I usually read this kind of book. And this time of day, I read this kind of book. And with, when, as soon as the weather gets nice, then I'll sit outside and, and give myself the joy of sitting and reading. Uh, that's one of the nice things when we travel with motorhome, you, you and I just devour books when we're on the road because it's it's so peaceful to sit outside and and read and sit by the campfire so so it varies are you a physical book kind of reader or do you do ebooks <laughs> no it has to be physical i have to hold a book in my hands i bought a kindle when they first came out i think i have two running around here somewhere and i never even kept them charged i think i downloaded one book on it and went oh god i hate this thing uh, I can't do it. So it, it makes it a problem when you're trying to downsize. Like in our office, uh, you can see the bookshelves behind me, but the shelves are two walls. And we probably have thousands of books because we have bookshelves in every room. And we keep saying, well, we're going to have to downsize. We're going to have to get rid of some. But like we have certain authors that we like and we have every book they've ever written. And my dad was a real Mark Twain fan. So we have an antique set of Mark Twain books. And, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I, I love my books. I can't, I can't give up my books. So we'll see. It's, it's funny in the motorhome, like we have one whole cabinet that's all just stacks of books that we take with us. And uh, so somewhere along the way, it's like, oh, I'm probably not going to read that one again. We'll, we'll leave them places for other people to read so we can pick up more. <laughs> what, what, what would you say it's like um, a routine, you know, like during your day, what kind of routine do you have to like prep yourself mentally or, you know, to get through the whole day? <laughs> it, it varies. Um, I, Hugh and I had quit watching the news for a good year. Uh, before the stupid virus came along. And then when the virus came along, I got addicted to the morning news again. Um, but the morning, 99% of the time starts with whichever one of us wakes up first, takes the two dogs that sleep in our bed out and makes coffee and brings coffee back upstairs. And um, we were reading and meditating for that half hour, 45 minutes. Now, unfortunately, I'm watching the news instead. Um, trying to figure out partly I, because I'm running businesses. I kind of have to keep up with what the heck is going on and what we're supposed to be doing from day to day. Um, then it, by that point, when we get downstairs from that, it's usually if we get down early enough, we feed the dogs and then do our Facebook live. Otherwise we do Facebook live and then feed the dogs. Uh, then it's straight into email unless I'm working at the clinic. If I'm working at the clinic, I'm booking it right after uh, breakfast with Spaniels. And I don't get home from the clinic till 7, 7.30 at night. And they're really long days. Uh, so at that point, it's just, you know, collapse and relax and have dinner. Um, but on the days when I'm home, I try to answer email, do some writing, uh, 
podcasts, uh, a lot of times are in the middle of the day. Uh, I'm doing a lot of phone consultations from home. So a few days a week, we're scheduling those in. Um, and I've been spending a lot of time with my mom since I'm getting to work from home more. Um, and we've been working on the baby quilt for the new granddaughter. So that's been a fun collaborative product we've, project. We've made more mistakes on it. it. I said to Gwen, well, you're getting a quilt, but you know, and she's like, it's handmade. I won't even notice the mistakes. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> but uh, so it just depends. And now with, you know, being locked in so much with the virus, we, if it's not pouring rain, which it has been a lot, but if it's not pouring rain, uh, we make it a point to go out and walk for a mile or two uh, just to get the energy flowing, get outside, get some fresh air. Um, because you know, the quarantine 15, which is the weight gain, uh, I don't know if I'm going to hit 15, but I'm heading in that direction. I got to do something. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm hoping for some good weather to get outside. <laughs> wow. Well, I think, you know, you... You're just a wonderful lady and, you know, I can see, you know, I think what, what warms my heart is that besides you, there's Hugh and then there's your mom and, and then your daughter and your, your son-in-law helping you, you know, it's, you know, it's turned out to be a real, you know, like your family, you know, is again, uh, like your super strength, your superpower as well, I think, you know, that, that keeps, Absolutely. you know, I think, um, that passion that you have for what you do and then with your family um it's very inspiring you know uh and well i i think that that's something that we're all going to learn with the virus frankly uh that getting back to our roots uh spending time with family i mean some people are complaining about spending time with family i'm like why okay i i'd love to spend like i I was crabby the past four years because there were four people living in our house and I was the only one leaving in the morning. And, you know, I would much rather be home and be with the family and the, the our pets and do stuff around here. Um, so I think that we are being forced to rethink how we do things and uh, doing things uh, instead of flying company members around the country to to have group meetings you can do them through zoom meetings or you know whatever platform you choose to use uh i think it'll be so much better for our planet our planet needed a reset this is a terrible way to reset but we needed a reset and it took something this awful for us to make that reset and uh, you know i feel like uh literally the powers that be had to grab us by the throat and start shaking and say, wake up. You are destroying everything. You're destroying your core, core values. You're destroying your environment. You're destroying your planet. You're destroying your family values. Uh, it's like a badge of honor to be working 200 hours a week and never see your family. And, you know, you ask people how they're doing. Oh, busy, 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 busy maybe it's time to not be so busy. And this might be me speaking because after 36 years of working, I'm ready to slow down. But I think we all need to rethink, uh, slow down, spend time with people that matter. When my father was put on hospice care back in the end of January, I came home from work and my mom said, 
she had been at the nursing home all day and she said, uh, they said your dad only has a few days to live. They're putting him in hospice care. And I immediately called my office and said, I won't be back. I won't be back. I will be with my mother and father every single day for as much time as, as we have. And I will never regret that. I will never regret one minute of sitting there watching my dad sleep, uh, being able to talk to him when we could, uh, being there with him. I feel like that was a couple of the best weeks of my life, frankly, um, because we all got to say what we needed to say and be there. Um, and I, again, you're always going to have regrets. I wish I had done more of this or spent more time doing this or whatever. Um, but I think the virus is making us rethink. And uh, I don't think that's all bad. So, so that's my two cents anyway. <laughs> well, it was very profound. And, you know, I agree with you because I think um, as much as, you know, everyone hates this uh, coronavirus going around the world, the fact that it actually literally stopped the world, you know, paused everywhere. I think it's the first time it's actually happened around the world that, yeah. everyone is actually more or less staying at home or, you know, not traveling so much. You can actually see the, the world is healing, you yeah, know, exactly. the air is cleaner, you know, the yep. sky is bluer, the waters are yep. cleaner. We're actually seeing more wildlife, you know, coming back yes. out, which, yes. I, you know, I yes. actually find it's very heartwarming. And I think, you know, I, I really do hope like you that mankind learns from this whole experience to become a better race because, you know, to be honest, I think most days we're not on our best behavior. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, so. you know, thank you for, for spending this time with me, um, you know, and sharing so much because, uh, like I said, you know, I love listening to you. Um, thank you. And sharing and, you know, I, I respect you so much and I wish you all the best and your family as well. And I hope you get to see you. your, your granddaughter soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's due August 2nd and uh, the plan, I just talked to my daughter this morning and the plan is that uh, we're taking Bo and parking in their driveway. So uh, <laughs> she's going to have a hard time getting rid of us. <laughs> but we bring our own bedroom. We're great house guests. <laughs> Oh, no, you guys are wonderful, you know, and really, you know, thank you for, for taking this time out because I, this has been a very challenging period and, you know, um, I really appreciate you, you know, actually choosing the time and, 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 you know, fixing the time to speak, to speak with me because I know how busy you are and I know, you know, you're, you're like an octopus or something. You've got so many things going on. <laughs> I do. I do. That's okay. Yeah. So, I, you learn. You, you just learn how to juggle, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for listening to part two of Dr. Judy's story. Look out for Dr. Isla Fishburne's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review, and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you, and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.